So we're challenging people to think about what something looks like 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And that's something that they, they, they probably haven't thought of. From Ray and Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. It's not always easy to make sound financial decisions. In fact, the study of economic theory has undergone its share of adaptations over the years to account for this fact. Thanks to the work of great researchers like Richard Thaler, We now have a greater understanding as to why we make the economic decisions we make. And it turns out that people just aren't rational. Today, Doug Feller, a certified financial planner and chartered financial analyst and principal with Investment Partners, is going to touch on some of the lessons behavioral economics teaches us and will explain three financial mistakes even the smartest among us make and what we can do to change. Welcome, Doug. Good to be with you, Doug. It's nice to have a fellow Doug for the first time on the podcast. Yeah, there aren't too many of us running out around out there. You know, I I tell my... um, It's like Doug Squared. Exactly. I mean, do you know anybody under the age of 20 named Doug? Seriously. I don't. I don't. It doesn't exist anymore. You know what it means in Scottish? Yes. River of blood. Yes, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) My parents reminded me of that often when I was young. Well... (laughs) Let's, uh, let's not produce that here today. No, for sure. But uh, so talk to me a little bit about behavioral economics and how this, how we've seen this and, and learned from it, influencing, you know, personal financial decisions and that, that type of thing. Sure. Well, in general, going all the way back, you know, the, the economic theory that we use for portfolio management, for economics in general, uh, was really born in the 1950s and 1960s. Uh, and it ties back to the psychology of the day uh, back then, which was, you know, we had this fixed mindset. So all economic theory and all the models that were built were built on the premise that, A, we could all borrow at the risk-free rate. Okay. So, you know, credit score doesn't matter. And secondly, that we all make rational decisions with our finances. Right. Uh, and if you do that, then these things should happen. And uh, what we have found out over time, and uh, you know, what is still a very young industry in financial planning, uh, is that that doesn't happen. Uh, that's not reality. So behavioral economics is really the study of the mistakes that we make, Okay. both emotional um, as well as cognitive thinking errors. Okay. And um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that's a brief history yeah. uh, of, of what it's about and how to mitigate that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Richard Thaler, a handful of others actually produced a Nobel Prize. Okay. Um, and so I, I, I often say as a financial planner that my work would be better served. I have a degree in economics. Yeah. And uh, I, I've often said that a degree in psychology uh, would be probably as useful uh, for what we do because ultimately we're we're helping guide people to um, optimum financial decisions. Sure, uh, and leading them in that understanding as best we can the mistakes that they make. Okay, and guiding them to the right choices. So if if you sit down with an individual or or a, a, a couple and and you look for uh, definition from them, how do you how do you pull that? out of them in terms of their goals and, and trying to be clear about that. Because, you know, to your point about psychology, people might not always be open and honest about what they really want. They'll, they'll say what 
maybe they think you want to hear or what they should say, right? So how do you how do you draw that out? Well, through trusted relationship. Okay. Right. I mean, it's it's really getting to know and in part of the financial planning process is is understanding what they actually need uh, and then, then getting them into a conversation. So so sitting down and getting them to articulate that and uh, you know, I know I know the podcast is about the mistakes folks make, and I really think clearly articulating what their financial goals are uh, is something that most people haven't spent a lot of time sure. thinking about. Uh, right. you know, I, I have a friend, and their their 25th anniversary is coming up in six years. They know they're going to Hawaii, and they know where they're going to stay, and and that's six years from now. But when I ask that same person the question, you know, define for me what retirement looks like and when, how much it's going to cost, I get a blank stare. Right, uh, and then I get an answer from one of one of the the spouses. And the other looks at them and says, "I had no idea that that's what <laughs> that that's oh, what you okay. wanted to do." Um, and so there's there's value as a planner and having that conversation, getting that articulated, just facilitating a discussion, uh, and being particular. You know, retirement someday uh, isn't a goal. You know, right. I can't as a planner, I can't help you get to some place that you're not going. Right. Right. So uh, getting that uh, as as specific as we can on paper is. Um, you know, that's where the conversation begins. So, so you try to draw out of them some specific goal or goals that, that they want to achieve or, or how they want to live or whatever it case might be, where they want to live, what they want to do, those kinds of things. And then you try to work backward from there. Is that sure. sort of the idea? Yeah, we, we reverse engineering. Financial planning, uh, let's keep in mind that it's planning. And uh, humans have been doing that uh, <laughs> for the better part of 10,000 years or whatever the case is. Right. You know, so all it is, is understanding where we're at today, current state, mm-hmm. point A, call it. And then, and that's pretty easy. And that's where the conversation for me as a planner usually starts. Right. Somebody throws an investment statement on my desk. Uh, they throw an insurance policy there. Um, they might hand me and say, what do you think of my trust? And my, 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 my kind of tongue-in-cheek answer is, I have no idea. Uh, they, they could be good or bad. <laughs> I, I don't know. Right. But without the context of what, they need to do all financial instruments, all legal documents. They're serving a purpose. That's the implementation. Um, so we need to understand point B, mm-hmm. and that's future state. Where are we headed? Right. So I mean, this is planning, sure. planning 101. And that's where I find that's where I'm sending folks out of my office, and they haven't really thought about that or articulated that, and it's difficult, right? Uh, because you know, financial planning is forward looking. Sure. You know, we're not looking in the rearview mirror, so we're challenging people to think about what something looks like 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And that's something that they, they, they probably haven't thought of. Right. If they have, remember, financial planning is just this holistic look at all areas of finance, investments, insurance, estate, tax, retirement, education. And in, while they may have thought through something, right. like I want to sell my business in five years, I need to engage Ray, and I need to begin planning for that, they execute that sale. Right. And then all of a sudden, they have this net worth that they've monetized. They never understood what that number was. And I asked them the question, um, how do you want to intervene in the lives of your children either today, while you're living, or after the fact? Right. And I get a blank stare. So even though we may have thought through some of these things in certain areas, most people haven't seen it holistically. Right. And and how how these areas all, all interact together. Do you find that Maybe it it's those those uh, so called the maybe the human issues or those those soft issues that are the most uh, let's say uh, difficult to to navigate through for people. In other words, thinking about how they want to 
be involved with other family members or or support other family members, those kinds of things. Or for that matter, you know, how do they want to treat their business, for example, mm-hmm. once they go away? Are those the harder issues or or is it really the the financial part of it, the the numbers and trying to get there? No, it's it's the qualitative soft issues mm-hmm. um, that are more difficult. And, you know, when you, again, coming back to human psychology, when you look at how we solve problems, we're dealing with the very first thing we want to solve is pain today. Yeah. Right. And so when we ask them to start thinking about good things, pleasure in the future, uh, that's, that's nebulous. Yeah. Um, and so as we guide them, you know, po- point B, and I also think another issue is uh, sometimes it's very difficult to commit to point B because we don't have all the facts. Right. Um, and that's okay. But you can't steer a parked car. Yeah, you have to. You have to put something on paper. Right. And I would encourage it to be written. Uh, you know, we do this all through software. But if point B changes, which at some point frequently does, which right? It does. Then that's that's really the work of the planner to come in. Uh, so we we help them get from point A to point B. But if it changes to point C, being able to tack and adjust towards that goal. Yeah. Uh, but so many times, I think it's such an overwhelming area, personal finances, uh, you know, and you can go to Google and find the answers to any question sure. that that I help answer. The problem is there's so much information. So to be able to distill the complexity mm-hmm. um, and make effective decisions uh, is very difficult if you don't know where you're going. Right. So you talked about maybe a change in, in goals, that type of thing. So how do you, how do you hold somebody accountable to that over a period of time. In other words, they've they've defined a plan. You've mm-hmm. helped them define a plan and, and goals. How do you hold them accountable? Is that difficult with uh, with people? It, it is because the nature of the relationship yeah. is it's a serve, and we're in the service business, right? Um, so we are there to help, and ultimately, uh, it is their wealth uh, that we're working with, and they get the final call, sure, uh, as as to how this how this happens. So. Uh, you know, the, the accountability aspect and then how to hold them accountable uh, really comes through relationship, through through okay. consultation. Um, and, and you have to do it effectively. I know I look back, uh, hard to believe it's been 11 years ago now, but 2008 and 2009, you know, I found out how trusted those relationships were during that financial crisis. And I, and I evaluated my success and I think it was, I was 97, 98% successful um, and helping people, especially when it was difficult, stay on track. Yeah. But there are some uh, that at that time won't listen to your advice. And so, and so you know, it's, it sounds cliche to say relationship, but being able to lead people right. through those decisions uh, when it's difficult and, and have their trust. And I'll tell, I'll tell a potential client of mine, you know, it, we, we hope to build a good relationship with you, but if you evaluate this conversation and don't believe you can trust us, find somebody you will and make sure you take their advice right. when it's difficult. Sure. And I think part of that is the ability to be transparent too, right? And mm-hmm. that you have to say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to put myself out there as a planner and, and be transparent with them and not just tell them what they want to hear, but tell them really what needs to be said, whether they take your advice or not, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the accountability, I, I view financial planning as, you know, everybody has a potential, call it wealth, call it, it's not necessarily a net worth number, but there, there's potential in your income, your savings, everything that you do, uh, the value of your business, and that's a number, right? whatever it happens to be, but there's a maximum potential. It's a line that grows over time. Sure. And we, we you know, Einstein said compounded interest is the greatest invention of humankind. 
And, you know, I, I started thinking about that and thought, you know what, there are these little mistakes that we make on our finances, even sure. if we have a queer goal. Uh, you know, we, we sacrifice uh, a 401k contribution mm-hmm. for whatever reason, or we're not uh, taking advantage of the match, or we decide we're going to take social security early because we don't like the political climate right. and we don't think it's going to be there. Yep. But all of these little seemingly small mistakes year in and year out, just like compounded interest, compound on themselves. They add up. Yeah. They add up. And if you ever were to try to quantify that, and sometimes we have, it amounts to hundreds of thousands sure. of dollars, if not millions. Yeah. Uh, and in the mistake, again, behavioral finance, what we, we lie to ourselves, I think, and say, you know what, I'm still living a good life. And yes, that is fine. Right. But as a planner, we want the outcome. We reverse engineer uh, the plan and the system. And if we can prevent seemingly small mistakes through the advice that we give in a trusted relationship yeah. and, and move them closer to that max potential line, right. that's, that's, uh, that's the hard work. Um, that comes through conversation. It comes from interacting with your clients, understanding who they are, what the dynamics are. Uh, so we, we have a lot of fun conversations with our clients on what are seemingly soft issues, but are critical to what we're doing. So yeah, that brings up a great point. So if you think about some of those behavioral issues that aren't aligning with the the goals that that you've agreed to, I mean, is that's when you have some of those conversations like, look, we need to adjust the plan here or rethink the the behaviors or, you know, something like that. Is that is that fair to say? Absolutely. No, there 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 are hard conversations uh, that you have to have sometimes, uh, you know, that we're, we're doing a disservice to our clients if we're not honest with them. So, you know, all, what we can do is give them the information, uh, guide them, advise them, uh, and hopefully they, they they take that advice. Yeah. So one of the the terms that that I love is we we get into. I, I deal with a lot of business owners that are thinking about some type of transition or liquidity event. And the thing that I always remind them because I've seen this happen so many times is security and significance. You know, they're so focused on security, the the financial part of it, and and am I going to be okay or is my family going to be okay, etc. They forget about the significance until it becomes too late and then they think about what am I going to do? You know, so how do you how do you holistically address that part of it when when you're talking about planning? You know, do you, do you talk to them about, you know, hey, what it's not only about the the number here, but again, the behavior and what are you going to do? I mean, how do, how do you address that? Because it's not an easy issue. No, it's not. Um, it's, a, it's a great question. I don't, I don't have a great answer for it. Um, you know, again, it, it starts in, in conversation, uh, starts in putting them into to a forward thinking mindset. You know, we start talking about legacy. Uh, one of the things we, we do, um, certainly attempt to do, I, th- I think that helps facilitate this, uh, is to engage them in a, in a family discussion. Okay. You know, and there's, there, there's a lot of, you, you mentioned business owners and and I have them as clients, uh, and the relationship with the next generation might not be so good. Right. Maybe it is, but let's get into a conversation now that you've monetized your business. Right. Uh, and I mentioned it earlier, how, how this is going to interact with your children. Yes. You can sit on a pot of wealth, uh, take it all the way to the end, uh, and leave it to them. But are there things that you want to be able to communicate? And so engaging the family in a discussion and, and putting their family in front of them, I think, forces the conversation. Okay. They have to be able to articulate, not necessarily to me, right. uh, 
but to their kids, maybe their grandkids, right. uh, what it is they were about. Maybe that's work ethic. Maybe it's sure. uh, charitable intent, whatever the case is. Um, and they have to articulate those things. And to make sure that everybody understands then and is on the same page, because you see those miscommunications, right? Somebody expects X, but really it's going to be Y. Right. Yeah. 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 Again, again, this comes down to clarity and, and it's all about communication. I mean, just, just, just be, be uh, very, very clear about what it is you want. Right. Um, you know, and, 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 and just a personal example, I, you know, we, my, my family, we started a charitable fund um, and my kids are very young, uh, but we have, we have, we have a written family value statement. Uh, we have a spending policy. Yeah. We have decision-making processes on uh, Black Friday every year on, on what we're going to do. Um, and my, my goal ultimately is because the, 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 our desire is both current as well as legacy, like you're sure. saying, you know, is to get this into the hands of the grandchildren and be able to communicate that. So, so I've used it personally through, through interpersonal family dynamics is how I try to engage clients. Now, sometimes they don't want to have that conversation right. because, you know, frankly, the generation uh, ahead of them didn't do a great job of communicating some of these things right. uh, to the business owners that are selling today. Uh, some of that carries forward today. So, uh, these things aren't easy, and I don't mean to be to be crass about it, but right. um, you know, do the hard work, right? If it matters to you, exactly. Now, it, one of the things that that I see too, you talked about the struggle for maybe uh, certain folks to, uh, you know, to to communicate or to just to really want to uh, pass that information along. They they'd rather kind of keep everybody in the dark a little bit. So, I mean, how do you deal with with that? Because I still have a lot of business owners that I know that are very close to the vest and it's really tough to pull that information out. I mean, how, how do you deal with that that part of the process? Like, look, we've got to be transparent here. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, it's their choice. Yeah. Right. So, if, if they don't, if they don't want to, you know, they, they don't have to. But, you know, we, we, we try to push it, you know, oftentimes you can rely on technique. Yeah. Uh, you know, the technical competency of what you do in that, you know, you're going to have, you know, let's just say you have an estate issue, right? You need, sometimes I think it helps to communicate to, to the family what you're doing and why, you know, the, the, the gifts that might happen. Sure. Um, so to, to be able to rely on technique in those cases can sometimes drive the conversation. We need to bring the family into the know so they understand what the picture is. Um, but also maybe leaning on that, that big number. Um, you know, if, you know, do you in fact, you know, trust the next generation? Right. If something happens to you uh, on the way home today, yeah. you know, let's imagine that scenario. And uh, would you be comfortable with uh, their handling of those things? Or maybe it's time to get them into a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's important. And I have a, a, client I know that uh, brought their their uh, son into the business hoping to turn it over to them, but realized within a couple of years that that individual wasn't the right person to run the company. They just, for a number of reasons, weren't, weren't the greatest fit. And to have that conversation, he said, was the, was the most difficult thing in, in his life. But yet he wanted to, to elicit some response from his son such that he knew, you know, he cared about him and, and wanted to make sure he was happy pursuing his own passion, not what the dad wanted for him. And he said, once they got through that, it was the best thing he ever did, you mm -hmm. know? So it's just, I think it's amazing what can come out of that if, if people truly uh, are open and honest about it. So Yeah. And our, it's our job as advisors to push them into those conversations. Yeah. So uh, getting back to the, the behaviors a little bit and, and, 
uh, not being rational. I mean, how do you how do you coach that in in people? I mean, how do you how do you try to move the needle such that people, you know, take you in as their their trusted advisor, but it's beyond just simply, you know, the the numbers and here's the performance and and that. How do you how do you try to get into that behavior coaching? Well, again, it starts with an honest conversation, right? And so when we put together a financial plan and we map it out, uh, you know, we, we're projecting as best we can, okay. but, but we're, we're relying on technique. And so, you know, we come up with probability analysis. So we will say something like, you know, is your financial plan on track? And we're going to throw a bunch of variables at it, but the odds of it working out the way you want right. are X. Sure. Are you comfortable with that? And when their behavior gets in the way of that, we can easily call them back in and say, well, let's do why. Your investment portfolio is allocated in such a way that it's driving an 85% success rate. Right. And you want to sell at the bottom of the market. Let me illustrate that for you. And we're able to show them uh, and quantify, again, as best we can using projections, how that affects their plan. And then they have a decision to make. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how do we coach that? Uh, you know, if, if, if their emotions just aren't, aren't up to it, then they have to adjust their goal downward. Right. And again, that's, that's, that's part of the conversation. Yeah. So do you have, I mean, what, what about, I'm sure you've got all types of clients. So you get the ones that probably call you every day and, and, you know, question everything you do. I mean, how, how do you, do you have some of those types and how do you deal with, with that, that they get so um, into the weeds as we'd say mm -hmm. with it? Uh, how do you how do you deal with those? Um, yeah, I actually have very few of those anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know we 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 tend uh, we we focus on the big picture. Mm -hmm. um, you know there there are all kinds of things in the short run that that get a lot of attention, most notably in the media. I mean, there's no shortage of mm -hmm. financial media, right? Uh, you know, so you know we we need to turn those things off. They're they're paid to sell news, not the truth. Right. Uh, so we we need we need uh, you know we need to be very careful about what is getting filtered. Uh, into our into our heads, mm -hmm. um, and so you know again that 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 starts. Um, you know, we have a lot of conversations. You have to answer the question, yeah, obviously, but ultimately showing them why that is insignificant. And again, this comes back to clarity of goals. If we have a picture that's twenty years from now, how does what is happening in the marketplace today actually impact that? Uh, right. And the answer is over a twenty year period, it does not matter. What matters is behavior. Right. And so that's why I talk about accountability to mistakes. Uh, you know, sometimes I think my job is just simply keeping somebody from making the biggest financial mistake of their life. Sure. Um, and uh, and again, there's a number on that. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's that's how we do it. So optimally, if if I'm if you're designing from your side the perfect client, what how often should they uh, sit down with you to talk about? you know, goals and objectives and, and plan? Is it once a year? You know, what, what, what are your thoughts there? Obviously, anytime anything changes, mm -hmm. right? Anything that's material that would impact the plan. Uh, and those life events don't happen frequently. Um, you know, if you, if you do, you have a tumultuous life. Um, right. But um, we, we recommend twice a year. Okay. You know, we, we, we like to check in face-to-face. Uh, -face, a lot of times, again, I'm, I'm gauging emotion. Uh, I'm, I'm gauging, obviously, if anything changed, what are you thinking? Uh, and, uh, you know, through, through our notes and our documentation, we, we, can, we can see the pattern uh, and, and see goals changing. Um, so, uh, you know, we are uh, we're, we're pretty clued into that. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. So, yeah. well, well, I appreciate it. Um, any other uh, 
tidbits or, or things that you can think of as we uh, come up to year end here? Um, what what should folks be prepping for for 2020 uh, beyond? We, we don't want to get into the political climate, of course, that's unknown. But uh, what what should we be thinking about as we approach the new year? Sure, I, I would um, I would encourage anybody. I mentioned kind of charitable giving, and uh, you know mis- mistakes people make, and you know these are some of the technical aspects. But uh, you know if you have any kind of significant charitable intent, don't be writing a check for it, mm. especially if you have highly appreciated. Uh, securities. Um, you know, we 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 always see this after the fact when when we review the tax return in the spring. Yep. And uh, you know, here here we had a lot of capital gains that we could have given to the charity tax free. Uh, so you know, as as people are writing their checks heading into December here, uh, you know, give some thought to that. Make sure if you're taking your minimum distribution that you're using uh, from your from your retirement account, using your qualified uh, charitable distribution provision. So. Uh, you know, as, as we head into 2020, be, be giving that some thought. Yeah. Again, it's sit down, have the conversation and, and plan, right? Sure. And and we're also, you know, we're also at a very interesting time politically, yep. economically. Uh, you know, we don't, you know, I don't mean to ignore that. Um, but if that does give somebody pause, now right. now is a good time to be to be addressing what those concerns are. Uh, you know, and if, and if your goals, you know, I, I keep mentioning goals that are 15, 20 years down the road, you know, if your goal is coming up in two or three years, right. uh, it is important to be staying on top of these issues because, yes, it is possible for them to have an effect in the short run. Right. Um, so if that hasn't been evaluated recently, now would be a good time uh, to do it because there's obviously a lot of things in the news. Uh, there's sure. a lot of things that uh, are coming up that are that are affecting the economy right. um, that, that need to be thought about. Absolutely. Well, that's, uh, that's sage advice. We really thank you, Doug. And if you want to hear more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's show. You can subscribe to Unsuitable on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts, including YouTube. And while you're there, please leave us a review. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 